The Gospel of Luke, chapter 9 today, beginning at verse 51 and going to verse 62. Luke 9, 51 to 62. Let's stand up, can we, as I read this for us? <laughs> Alina just sat down. I'm like, let's stand back up. Uh, at the end, I'll just say this is the word of the Lord, and you can say thanks be to God. Luke 9, 51 to 62, the end of the chapter. As the time drew near to him, for him to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He sent messengers ahead to a Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival. But the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. When James and John saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven to burn them up? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. So they went on to another village. As they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus said, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests. But the Son of Man has no place even to lay his head. He, Jesus, said to another person, come follow me. The man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you. But first, let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. How much? How much is this going to cost me? It's an important question, right? How, mu how much is this going to cost? Uh, this week on our way back from camp, it was kind of entertaining. and it, We weren't like taking special joy in it or anything, but it was kind of fun to watch the students as they bought lunch on the drive home, uh, counting their change after maybe spending a little more than they had anticipated at the snack bar. I don't know how that all works, but but counting their change to make sure they had enough. And, and whether it was going to be enough for the, you know, the three entree plate at Panda Express or if they were going to have to sacrifice and just go with the two entree. And, and we had some change counting on one table going on. And then we had another one of our students who I just saw him eyeing the board like, like I could see him working out tax and just kind of knowing how much he had. And, and when the lady asked for the amount at the end, you could just see like the wave of relief just go over his head. Oh, yeah, I got that. No problem. No problem. And don't worry, parents, Kyle and I, were, and Wilson, we were standing by to jump in if, if need be. No one, no one went hungry. But um, you, you just see, how, how much? How, how much is this going to cost? Do I, do I have it up? And, and, and is what I, what I have going to be enough to, to, to make, this, make this work? I remember uh, a time when I was with some friends and we were at a, on, a, on a weekend uh, when we were in college and we were actually up in Pismo Beach and we were having dinner at a restaurant and uh, college guys without a whole lot of money and we, were just, we decided to go to a, a, an actual sit-down restaurant, which was probably the first mistake, you know. Uh, but, but the waitress comes out, and she's like, would you guys like some bread? And we're like, oh, bread? Yes, we need bread. Fill us up with some bread. 
And she brought it out, and of course, there were about five or six of us, and we just devoured that in about a minute. And then she came out, and, we, and somebody said, can we get some more bread? And she goes, yeah, would you like another side of bread? And we're like, yeah, yeah, we think we would. And so she brought another side of bread, and then somebody else asked for some more bread, and just kept bringing it. And then finally she said, you know, this bread is not free. <laughs> and we were like, oh, that's what you meant when you kept saying side of bread. And suddenly... All five or six of us are like looking at our, you know, pulling our walls like, how much bread did we buy? <laughs> how many loaves are we in for at this point in the morning or in the evening? But how much? Thankfully, we did have enough. We were able to scrape it together and buy all the bread we needed. I don't think we ordered regular food after that. But uh, how much do we have enough? And, 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 and the same can be said about following Jesus. How much is it going to cost? How much is it going to take to follow Jesus? And I'm just thinking about the, our students who have come back, I mean, from camp. And, and there is such a thing as a camp high. We all know, anyone, any of us who have been to retreats or camps or just been away, there's, there's an emotional connection that, that is, is definitely going to, to wane at some level. I mean, that's just the reality. We can't stay on the mountain forever. And we're going to have to begin to ask questions, students, and, and all of us in lives that we lead. How, how, how much is this really going to cost now for me to follow Jesus? It doesn't, it doesn't feel so good anymore, necessarily. I don't have that, that warm, fuzzy feelings. In fact, this is beginning to, to require some things of me to live for Jesus. And how much am I willing to, to, to give out? How, how much is this going to cost me? Um, we said last week we're talking about following Jesus, and we began to say last week that following Jesus is actually moving in a particular direction with him, literally and physically, going to the places in the world where Jesus would, would go. To, to follow Jesus is to commit ourselves to his way and to his teaching, to his example, to his love. It's to align our hearts and our minds with him. It, it's, not, it's not cheap. It's not easy. It's not, it doesn't just happen, in other words. To follow Jesus is very intentional and it's very costly. Following him means to go to the places, to the people. We also said that it's not just about the physical or literal going, but it's the, it's the way in which we live our lives. It's the expression of the way in which Jesus lived our life, his life that is now being lived by us in the same expression. Following Jesus then, we said, and just to remind us of this, is to learn the nature of his life, the character that he demonstrates, his kindness, his compassion, his patience, his humility, his sacrifice, all of these things. And in the passage that we've just read here again this morning, Jesus speaks to the reality that there will be costs involved with this life of following Jesus for those who choose it. It's not, what's the saying? It's not all rainbows and unicorns or... Is that, is that a saying? Am I close? It's not all just, you know, fluffy clouds and sunsets. It's, there's costs involved, and Jesus makes that very clear. And, and students, I don't want to be like a downer this morning by any means. That's the last thing I want to do is like somehow like, well, that was camp, but now it's the real life, people. You know, that, that's not the point of this at all. 
but for our students and for all of us to realize that, yes, what an amazing experience that we've had there. And yes, what an amazing experience that so many of us have lived into in the victory of Jesus. And now what an opportunity we have to live that out in real and tangible and beautiful and, yes, costly ways as we follow after Jesus. You see, I don't think Jesus... I don't think Jesus is trying to scare us with this passage. Do you know what hyperbole is? I, I, it's, it's where you like overstate the case, right? To, to emphasize the point. I definitely think Jesus is engaging in a, in a significant level of hyperbole in this passage. The, the, if, if we take this literally, the things that he has said, that leads us into some areas that are contradictory to other aspects of what he's said in scripture that we, we need to be careful about. But, but to, to say the things he said in the way that he has said them catches our attention, does it not? I mean, I mean right? You, you were oohing and on as we read the scripture and you were, say, what? Am I hearing that right? That doesn't, that can't. And, and Jesus is getting our, he's a master communicator. He's getting our attention. I don't think he's trying to scare us but, but I do think that he wants to make it very clear that, uh, of just what's expected here for the follower of Jesus. He, he, without a doubt, would want us to know of his available, availability to assist us on the journey all the way through. But he, he doesn't want there to be any surprises. There's no bait and switch with Jesus. There's no, just come and follow me. And you'll get all the ponies you ever wanted. All the, all the ice cream that's available in the world. We'll be, there's no bait and switch with Jesus. It's better, according to him, as we see in this passage, to know what's coming and to be ready for it and to not be caught guard. In fact, I, you just kind of nod at me or just, you can say an amen or if you want, but how many of us have known people or, have, or who have been people who maybe have expected certain things from God in, in return for our giving of ourselves to him. And, and when that didn't happen the way that we expected it to, we were thrown off course. And maybe some of us have, have been so thrown off course that, that we've lost faith, that we know people who, because things didn't work out the way that they were supposed to, the way that we thought we were we were promised, and, and how dangerous and how uh, difficult that can be. And so it seems like Jesus is just saying right here from the start, yes, there are benefits, and there are blessings. And students, you're experiencing some of that, especially this week, some of the benefit of community and forgiveness and freedom and and life and, and just the love of God in our hearts and lives and the peace that we experience. But there are also costs. And he's a realist. Jesus is. And, uh, and he wants us to know that, again, following him will sometimes lead us in directions that can be challenging. So there's, there's four encounters in this little passage of scripture that we looked at. I don't know if you noticed them, but there's four encounters. One is with the disciples and the people of the Samaritan village. And then there's the, the three would-be disciples that follow one after another uh, in, in their interaction and conversation with Jesus. 
just three or four quick little encounters that, that I just want to draw out a single lesson from each of them. Four quick, they're not quick, they're, they're four costs that we're going to speak about quickly. Four costs that emerge from these encounters. And uh, opposite of that, four calls that we might consider as we embark on this life of following him. And since costs and calls both start with C, the four things I'm going to tell you all start with C as well. Here they are. You can think about them. Following Jesus will cost us our criticisms. You can write these down if you want. Our comforts, our commitments, and our conveniences. Following Jesus will cost us our criticisms, our comforts, our our commitments and our conveniences. First of all, our, our criticisms. Following Jesus, as we see in this, this encounter with the disciples, will cost you the freedom to criticize or, in this passage, really, to judge others and instead will call us to a, a life of, of grace. Jesus sends out an advanced team. The, the entourage is growing, and we're going to Jerusalem. Jesus has set his, set his face toward Jerusalem. There will be no denying him now. He's moving there to die. He's moving there to be crucified. He's moving there to be resurrected. He's on his way to Jerusalem to fulfill and achieve the purposes that God has, has called him to. He's resolute in his commitment to Jerusalem. But on the way, there will be stopping, and so he sends some messengers, some disciples ahead of time, an advanced team to set things up in Samaria. And Samaria throughout Scripture, if you're familiar with a little bit in the Bible, always typically symbolizes the opposition. And the Samaritans despise Jesus possibly for a number of reasons, some theological disputes, uh, a history of bad blood with them and the, the Jews, and perhaps other things we're not told for sure. But what we know is that when they experience rejection, the disciples want to rain down judgment from the heavens. It's like, well, we were rejected. So should we call down the fires now, Jesus? Or when would we like us to do that? It strikes me just how matter-of-fact they are about this. Does it, was it interesting? I, I feel like it was kind of interesting to you as well. It's like, well, we were rejected by these Samaritans. Now is this a good time, Jesus? Or would you like me to hold off? And, and Jesus is like, whoa. Whoa, how, how, how did we get that idea? And he, it says he rebukes them, and they go on to another town. Uh, this, um, God, God has a time and a place to evaluate what people will do with Jesus. It's true. But this will be his business, Jesus seems to be saying, and the disciples call us to continue to offer this message of, of love and, and hope. I, I don't know if you have ever been like this, but it did, it's just interesting to me, and, and students, really be careful in this, and, and all of us, really be careful. It's just interesting to me that when, when we make a, often a fresh commitment or a renewed commitment to be a follower of Jesus, how often... People who do that also come to somehow a conclusion that, that they need to begin to do Jesus' job.
for him. <laughs> Here are these disciples. Go ahead and, and make preparations. Well, they rejected me. Uh, should we do this now? And I just can think about people who are on fire for Jesus. And sometimes the fire burns so hot within us that, that we begin to look around at others in such a way that we're criticizing because maybe they haven't attained the level that we have or they're still living in some capacity or they're rejecting this one who has accepted us so freely and fully and is so loving. How can they do such a thing? And, and those who are following Jesus begin to move their way out to being in front of him. It, and it's not always like, I don't think these disciples are bad guys. They're just, they're just enthusiastic. <laughs> they're just on fire. And sometimes we just need to, to be very aware that, that in, in coming to Jesus, that, that freedom to, to criticize or to judge is a cost that, that, that we will experience. We, we, we are invited to give that up. And it doesn't seem like a, a very bad cost because most of us say, well, I, I think I really want to get rid of that anyway in my life, so I'm glad that's a cost. I don't really want to be a critical or a judgmental person about other people. I want to be open and loving and gracious to the people around me, but it's easier said than done. It's easier said than done. And we really do need the Spirit of God to come into us in, in, in our moments of following Jesus, in our moments of deciding to follow Jesus, and begin to free us from that. And it is a cost that we will need to give up. Instead, when we are so warmly loved and received by Jesus, that's the opportunity for us to begin to, to, to live in such gracious and forgiving and loving ways. Friends, God's going to sort it all out, I promise you. That it's just not our job. It's not our task. It's not our mission. It's only going to get in the way, and it's only going to stand between you and the mission that you have to be a, an example of the love of God to the people around us. So when you feel like calling down fire from heaven, some of you maybe did this last week. Somebody did something to you or said something to you, or you read something in a paper about somebody who's just offensive to God, and they can't believe that they would do this kind of thing, and just, God, should we call it down now or next week. Feel the rebuke, people. Feel the rebuke. And, 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 and the, the cost that is in following Jesus to give that up today. Following Jesus, uh, another one, the, the one as he gets into these conversations with others, will cost us the promise of comfort and call us to a life of sacrifice. God, here's the reality. Jesus calls his followers away often from all that's familiar and, 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 and invites us into this, this life of, of, of relinquishing the safety of the known, accepting the risks of the unknown. I, I can't talk about their names or where they live, but next week we'll get to hear from some people who will be here to share with us on Sunday morning who have... I've been in contact with him again this week, and I've been reading some old letters that he's been finding in his files about when they, he and his wife, or he, they together decided to, to first go to where they're going, where they've been. And the commitment and the willingness and the sacrifice to set aside the comforts and the expectations that 99% of us hold on to is extraordinary. 
Foxes have dens. Birds have nests. Jesus said he has no real place to call his home. And, and, and I'm not saying that, 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 that Jesus is necessarily going to call us away from the comforts that we have experienced or that we've grown to, to, to know as normal. But, but the cost is that, that that is a very real possibility. And that at some level, if we're not experiencing a, a, a measure of discomfort of being pulled out of our comfort zones, then, then we probably need to take another look, kind of re-examine just how closely and carefully we're following after Jesus. Jesus wants more than someone to come and sit at his feet as a student. Jesus wants more than, than us to gather on a Sunday morning to learn more about uh, the stories of Scripture, as important as that is. Jesus is asking for a complete reorientation of life, a, a life that, I mean, we say this all the time, but students, you need to hear it. All of us, adults, we need to hear it, will very likely involve some level of suffering and pain, separation, and, and, and just this, this notion of living as, as a stranger in the world. You see, Jesus was rejected by Samaria, but he was also rejected by his own. He, he lived a life of rejection. He didn't really have a home. And those who follow after him will likely experience this on some level at some point in our lives as well. But, but the... But the but the reminder and the truth is that while he didn't have a home among this place, he had a home in God like nothing anyone could ever imagine, a security and a confidence. And, and that is the hope of everyone who would follow him as well. I, again, what, what, are, what are your comforts? What are the things that just like you try, you know, it's the running water, it's the... And so much more beyond that for us in the lives that we, we lead. The things that we have just grown dependent on that, that uh, you know, there's that, the hashtag first world problems. It's like when we don't get it, it's like, oh, no, what am I going to, how am I going to survive? We've just become so, so comfortable. And when and how might we be? asked to give up the promise of that comfort and to be called into a life of sacrifice. That's what it looked like to follow Jesus, without a doubt, costing us that promise of comfort. Here's the, the third idea. Following Jesus will cost you involvement in other commitments and call you to a life of, of mission. Jesus invites the third person. He says, come and follow me. And, and they, uh, the person uh, agrees, but with hesitation. Let me first go home and bury my father. And if there are any of the situations in this passage of scripture that seem reasonable, it's this one, isn't it? I mean, hello, Jesus. 
Honor your father and mother. And it just seems like, I mean, just, just let the guy go. But in it, if we can sort of read between the lines, we can hear the hesitation on the person's, in the person's voice. Being less, perhaps, and Jesus would have been the one to read this better than anybody, being less, perhaps, about, I really need to do this before I do this, and more about, I'm just not sure I'm ready to do that. So here's something else I need to give my attention to first. This other commitment that I have, that I need to involve myself in, delaying my response of obedience to you. It's hyperbole. It's strong. It's meant to catch us off guard. But in Jesus saying this, he was very familiar with the Ten Commandments, my friends. And so for him to say this is to say in a very powerful and nuanced way, not so nuanced actually, I'm doing something brand new here, people. And, and the, the Ten Commandments are finding their fullest expression in me and in my ministry, and in what I'm teaching, and in how I'm calling you to live. And so if I say, let the spiritually dead, those who don't have involvement in the mission of God, bury the dead, and you come and follow me now, Jesus means what he says. I don't know what it says to us, and the next one, a lot of this is about family and home, if you haven't noticed. I don't know what it says to you about your commitments to your family, what it says to me about my commitments to my family. I know God calls us to love our families and to be a part of uh, this family in which he's placed us in a meaningful and powerful and significant way. But it seems like to me, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems pretty clear to me that there is a, a higher family that God is calling us to attend to, and that's the family of faith and the mission of God that we've been invited to participate in. So we look at our other commitments, and we look at the way that they're dividing our attention or moving us in new and and different ways, and we're, we're invited to think hard with this passage and to let it sink deeply into our hearts. How are those commitments that we are involving ourselves in deeply, those commitments that we're giving our hearts and our lives and our attention, our time and our passion and our energy that we're giving to these other commitments How are they keeping us from responding fully to the mission that God has called us to? I'm not going to tell you which one to get rid of and which one to tone down. That's for you and the Lord. But to at least be people who are inviting the Holy Spirit to, like, here are my commitments, Holy Spirit. Here is where I'm spread out, and you know it better than anyone, Lord. I need you to help me to identify those places where I maybe need to pull back on a little bit, where I'm too invested, that are keeping me from becoming the person on mission that you need me to be, that you're calling me to be even right now. Hey, I mean, you can't soft pedal this passage, right? This isn't Pastor James talking. I hope you understand that. This is Jesus talking. And if we were to say anything less than then, then this passage is calling us to, to heavily investigate the, the scope of our involvement and the things that are pulling us away. Even, listen, even very good things. 
They're the worst kind. They're the most deceptive things in this life. The good things that are keeping us from the best things of being involved deeply in the mission of God. And, 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 and it's just Jesus saying, here, here is, hey, if there was ever a better excuse, I don't know what it might be. It's like Jesus saying, here's the best excuse anyone could ever have to delay their following of Jesus. Yeah, I mean, if there's anything better than going back to bury your father, then, you know, let me know what that is. Because that's, that's it's high up there. Here's the best one. In fact, in other words, none of us can say, well, that's not that big. I've got something more that could, you know, be more important. No. Here's the best excuse. And Jesus says, it's not valid. Ultimately, it's not valid. Nothing is to block the pursuit of following Jesus. New priorities. New start. It doesn't mean that the other stuff isn't important. It just isn't as important. It'll cost you. It'll cost you these commitments and call you to a life of mission. Here's the last one. Following Jesus will cost you the convenience of how things have been and call you to a life of obedient adventure. Following Jesus will cost you the convenience of how things have been and call you to a life of obedient adventure. You see, Jesus sees, I think, uh, in the request of the, the last person here, the last would-be disciple, to first go and say goodbye to his family. I, I think Jesus sees sort of an unwillingness to make a clean break from, from the past. And, and again, hyperbole, I don't think Jesus is asking people most of the time to make a clean break with their family or, or make a clean break with all that has happened in our past. By, by no means. Jesus wants us to live and learn from that and live into a new reality that we've discovered based on that. But there's this, there's this desire, perhaps, this, this attachment, perhaps, to old values and to old thoughts and old ways of doing things that, that Jesus is very concerned that we move on from. There's conveniences that we have just grown accustomed to. That person's going to be there. That's going to happen there. I'm going to be able to talk to them. I've, this is how it always works for me back here, and I've got this conveniently in place, so I kind of know how things are going to operate. And Jesus is saying, you know what? I'm calling you into a new place. I, I, there's, there's no looking back. There's no looking back. No looking back. Because if we're, if we're looking back to the glory days, whether good or the bad days that have been, then we're not focused on what's ahead and we're missing the direction. Thomas is learning how to drive. This is a wonderful, exciting adventure. And if, if things go well in just a few short weeks, all four Kinslers will have licenses on the road. So just... Watch out. But um, I, I think I'm a fairly good instructor. Both my kids seem to like to drive with their mom more than me. But um, I'm not taking it personal. Uh, but but one, one thing that, that Thomas does, and I've talked to him about this, it's just, and I did it, and most of us did it when we're learning to drive, right? Driving. 
Watch my hands. Watch my head. Look over your shoulder. Changing lanes. Okay. <laughs> so that was the first. So then you got to watch that. You gotta, it's really natural to watch the hands. Okay. Okay, I'll watch it. It's just the overcompensation, right? And, and if, you haven't, if you didn't do that, then you are an awesome driver. I know I did that. Thomas is getting a whole lot better. I, if you see him on the highway, don't worry. He, he won't pull over near a lane, probably. But um, it's just this, when we turn around and look back, something happens about out here. We lose sight of what's coming and how easy it is to get off course to lose our bearings just a little bit as we make that turn to the back. Hey, drop. you can't, you can't, I mean, it's got to be right here. I'm like, hey, buddy, you can't stare at the back behind you. There's stuff happening in front of us. It's coming really fast. You can't take your eyes off the road for a second, especially in traffic. Ask the teens who were on the van with me the other day on our way back for just a second. And the car stopped in front of me really quickly, and I had to as well. Can't get enamored with what's out here, because what is here is so critical. And I think that's what Jesus wanted to say to us. Hey, if we're back here, then we're not looking here. If we're saying goodbye, 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 love you, thank you, then I've missed what's out here in front of me. I've, I've relied on the convenient. And I've missed the moment of what's out in front. Because what's out in front? Hey, students, campers, um, young people, older people. What's out in front? I don't care how old you are, how, how young you are. What's out in front is a, a life of obedient adventure. And, and we can... We can Rest in the convenient realities that we have. Or we can lean into the adventure that is ours when we live a life of obedience, of following Jesus. This is like, who knows? And we've talked about this before, but who knows? God, where are you going to lead me? Who, who are you going to put me in touch with? What conversations are you going to give me? What, what ways are you going to open up for me to use my talents and my skills and my passion? I, oh, how, how sad. How sad for followers of Jesus to, to just rest in what's convenient when the whole idea of mission and following Jesus is forward into this life of obedient adventure. Um, for Jesus, following him is an all-consuming priority. It's not someone wrote this. I, I wrote it down. Following Jesus is not a task which is added to others like working a second job. <laughs> the, the road isn't easy, but the road is clear. <laughs> follow, follow me. A straight path. Listen, a great call to follow Jesus demands a great response. It's not a fly-by-night. It's not a one-week at Quaker Meadows. It's not a it's not a, you know, kind of a, a women's retreat. It's not a small group high. It's not, it's not I mean, all these things are so important because they feed into our lives. But it's not, it's not just a fly-by-night affair. 
It's a, it's a relationship and it's a priority. And it's a life that sets us apart from all these other things, but sets us into relationship with the one who knows us and loves us and cares for us the, the most. I'm going to invite our worship team to come on up here. I want you just to respond in singing. Let's stand together, can we? And I pray. Lord, we're just so grateful to have heard uh, from our students today and leaders just about the ways that you met them so faithfully. And we prayed right around this altar last week that you would do just such a thing, and you've done it. And we're so grateful. And, and, and as we sang Victory in Jesus earlier this morning, even, I, I just have the sense that there were... Uh, others who maybe weren't at camp this week, but who were just reflecting, just so deeply grateful, just so blessed by the, by the reality of the victory that we have in you, and, and recounting all the ways that somehow you have brought to us the victory, and we are so thankful, and, and we want, God, our lives to be ones that are marked not just by a, a, a prayer of of, of acceptance or just by a, a one-time experiencing the forgiveness of our sins, but we want our lives to be marked by, by obedience and by engaging in a, in a life with you that starts there but continues into so many new places. And we know that there will be costs, and this passage just, we can't, we won't be able to easily forget it, I hope. Your spirit will just drill it down deep into our hearts because it just reminds us of the, of, the, of the great cost that we must weigh and that we must be aware of and evaluate from day to day. So even as we respond now and in the moments to come, God, would you begin to search our hearts and to really just, just begin to draw out any thing that, that was maybe discussed here in this passage that we kind of thought about this morning that may be standing in the way of a life lived in full, obedient adventure with you. And if there are commitments or if there are comforts, if there are conveniences that, that we're just relying on or leaning into at such a level that, we would, that they would keep us from leaning hard into you, then God, just, just bring those to our minds and by your spirit, just, just strip them away. Just strip them away. And may our hearts and our lives be focused and attentive to your way that is before us like never before. Oh, God, we love you and we trust you and we give ourselves to you even now. And we pray it in Jesus' name.